Welcome to Inside Scoop Live. Hello, I'm Sherry Hoyt, and I'm your host for today. I'm so excited to be speaking today with Melissa Muldoon, author of Dreaming Sophia, a contemporary fiction novel about a young girl who overcomes grief and loss to follow her dreams and falls in love with the romance, art, and history of Italy in the process. Before we start, let's learn a little bit more about Melissa. Melissa Muldoon is the studentessa Mata, the crazy linguist. In Italian, Mata means crazy or impassioned. Melissa has a BA in Fine Arts, Art History, and European History from Knox College, as well as a master's degree in Art History from the University of Illinois at Champaign-Urbana. She has also studied painting and Art History in Florence. Melissa promotes the study of Italian language and culture through her dual language blog, Studentessa Mata. Melissa began the Mata blog to improve her command of the language and to connect with other language learners. It has since grown to include a podcast and YouTube channel. Melissa also created Mata Italian Language Immersion Tours, which she co-leads with Italian partners in Italy. Dreaming Sophia is Melissa's first novel. It is a fanciful look at art history and Italian language and culture, but it is also the culmination of personal stories and insights resulting from her experiences living in Italy, as well as her involvement and familiarity with the Italian language, painting, and art history. For more information on Melissa Muldoon and her book, visit her website at www.dreamingsophiabook.com. And that's www.dreamingsophiabook.com. Hi, Melissa. Welcome to Inside Scoop Live. Well, thank you for having me. So to get started, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay, I am Melissa Muldoon, um, also known as La Studentesa Mata. I write a dual language blog in Italian and English to promote the study and culture of Italy. I'm also a graphic designer, and I live in San Francisco and an artist. Okay. What inspired you to write Dreaming, Sophia? Well, actually, um, my experiences um, studying the language... Um, I studied art history in Florence when I was in college, but I came home and immediately threw away my Italian dictionary, never thinking I'd need it again. Um, But as things happen, um, I I started a career, I got married, had a family, but something was still missing in my life, and that thing was Italy, and I came to realize that after reading a book, um, actually Under the Tuscan Sun by Francis Mice, Mm. and it was filled with Italian words, and it brought back all these um, memories and emotions and the sights and the sounds and the feelings of living in Italy. And I don't know, I I put the book down and I immediately went to the bookstore and I just made the decision right then and there to learn the Italian language by any means. And since I had small children at the time, I couldn't travel there. Mm -hmm. So I proceeded to create uh, an experience of immersion right here at home. And I did everything I could to learn the language and then eventually started the blog and through the blog called Student Tessamata, um, it was a means for me to put myself out there and have the world come back and correct me and help me improve. And uh, it, it was an amazing thing because this blog opened up so many doors to me. Um, I met so many friends in Italy, and pretty soon uh, language schools in Italy were contacting me and wanting me to help organize and collaborate with immersion programs in Italy. Wow. So I started writing this blog, and it explores all manner of fun facts, um, music, festivals, living there, um, culture, food, and 
I guess over it, it just turned seven years old this January, my blog. Wow. And about two years ago, I got this, um, well, I'd been writing this for so long, and I wanted to put down into a fictional form all the stories and the, the travel experience of living in Florence, um, what it was like to live with an Italian family, um, my experience of learning the language. I wanted to collect all this information in another form, in a fiction form. Mm-hmm. So that's the idea behind Dreaming Sophia. That's awesome. I love Under the Tuscan Sun. I I haven't read the book. I, I saw the movie, though, and I absolutely love the movie. So, Well, so in uh, Dreaming Sophia, I put a lot of Italian words like mm-hmm. this in her book. And I my, my goal is I really want through my book, I want people to be inspired like I was to mm-hmm. put the book down and go out and start learning the language. Mm-hmm. And being an art historian, I have a master's degree in art history and a painter. Um, I studied at a small mm-hmm. local arts college in the Midwest. I also want people to get the idea that art can talk to you and that I always feel like I have a very creative imagination and I feel like when I stand in front of a picture, I can have a conversation with the characters or the whoever is being depicted in the picture and the artist. I feel a special... Uh, bond and I want people to come away with that that art history isn't just a dry boring subject that it it can talk to you if you are willing and open to hearing what the painting has to say now your original career plan was to teach art history what steered you toward graphic design instead well it's interesting Um, at the time I had finished my master's degree and I realized I really needed to go on and get a PhD in America. Mm-hmm. If you want to teach art history, you really have to go on and be- become more credentialed. But also, I guess I reached a point at the end of my grad school program where I just wanted to be doing art rather than talking about it. So I put together my fine arts portfolio and started knocking on doors in Chicago <laughs> and I got landed a job as um, you know in the graphic design industry. And that started it all. And I was able to work at home and raise kids and that's nice. my business. And I, I've had my business for like 30 years. So I do, I'm an illustrator. Um, I've designed the cover of Dreaming Sophia. So that's a passion of mine as well. So Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. And you also did the character portraits in the front of the book? Yeah, I'm, I'm writing the story. And I would stop and, um, of course, writing a novel takes edits and rewriting and rewriting and rewriting. But I would stop every so often and... As kind of a break, I would um, uh, illustrate my characters just to kind of, at a certain point, they really become real to me. And I know what they're going to, well, sometimes I don't know what they're going to say. <laughs> I wake up right. <laughs> and I start writing, but they became like very good friends. And I just somehow wanted to put faces to, you know, the, the names in the book. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, what was your biggest challenge writing Dreaming, Sophia? Well, it is my first novel. It is I've been writing, but I, you know, it's writing a blog for seven years really is quite. Uh, it, it, it primes you, it gets you ready. And I was, I had all these stories, and I guess the biggest challenge was I had so much information. I actually cut the book down dramatically. It was my editor read it, and she goes, "Well, you know, Melissa, I think most books are like eighty-five thousand words, and <laughs> over like three hundred thousand." <laughs> so, oh wow! So, and it was. I had the arc of the story and then to pull it back and to focus in on, um, you know, the highs and lows of the characters and to really fine tune it. I think it just, I wrote it for about two years, just polishing it up and and never knowing when to end. I think that's the thing. I just, 
I feel like I you could you you can write forever. I think. Yeah, that's that's the hardest thing I think to wrap up a story unless you're planning like a um a sequel or exactly. Well, you're so busy. I mean, I looked at your website and your blog and all that. You are so busy. I'm just I know I, it is. Why are you? <laughs> I know. Actually, I've been going since my blog turned seven years. I've been going back through a lot of blog posts, and it's like going down memory lane. It's like looking at a photo album. But the amazing thing is, I can really see at certain points since 2010, when I started the blog, where the ideas for the book came from. I can mm-hmm. see. I wrote a post about, for, for example, Darci del Tu. It's the formal and informal way of expressing. Uh, yourself to someone that you meet in Italy, or just the story about Luci Ramanzi, the, the the ghost story that we read about mm-hmm. in Luca. And I remember going to Luca and with a friend walking along the wall. Actually, we were biking along the wall of Luca, which is a walled city, medieval city, just west of Florence. And the first time I heard the story, I had um, shivers go up and down my mind, you know. And I just I just was so attracted to the stories. The story of the blackbird, the coldest days of the year in January, and the Devil's Bridge, and I just wanted to find a way. See, this story is is more than just a story of the girl. I want her to yeah. fall in love with Italy, and it's not just a love story falling in love with a man, but it's her falling in love with herself and accepting Italy, and also just embracing the Italian culture. Mm-hmm. And as I said, I could see little bits of pieces of my story all through the seven years mm-hmm. that I've been writing this blog. So it's really quite, um, it's kind of overwhelming and fun. And yeah, that's what I love about the book. It's so, uh, it's not just a love story. It's not just a coming of age. It's, it's all, all these things. Um, you just, I thought you did an amazing job. I loved the book. Oh, thank you so much. The idea of dreaming with your eyes open and being, I didn't want her to come across to, it is about, she is able to visit with artists and personalities mm-hmm. from all over Italy's culture, like Garibaldi, who unified the country. And so I wanted to bring these historical aspects in, and I'm mm-hmm. trying to find a way to do that, how she would have conversation. But I didn't want to make her crazy, and I didn't want to make it too surreal. But she's a very imaginative dreamer, so through her waking dream, so to speak, she is able to slip back into this reverie, and she's able to communicate and and communicate these things to the reader. So they can get a taste of um, the wonderful tapestry of Italian history and art and all that. Absolutely. Well, it it works. It works. I wanted to talk about your blog some more. Do you have, like, online classes, or is it more informal? Well, I like to think of myself as more the cheerleader for the Italian language. I'm not a teacher. I'm a um, mm-hmm. professional student. I am always learning every day. But what I do offer is opportunities to study in Italy with me, a small group language immersions where we can go mm-hmm. and travel as I do in Italy, meeting locals and having very real experiences that a lot of normal tourists don't get because it's kind of like an insider um, peek into Italian mm-hmm. lifestyle. And really, when you speak the language, doors open for you. Uh, Italians are so warm and welcoming, and uh, you, you get to see and uh, go behind the scenes, and you're invited to a grandma's dinner lunch, you know, because you speak with the shop owner. <laughs> it's just incredible yeah. the things that happen. But through the blog, I offer um, motivation. I offer for language learning. 
um, all kinds of ways of practicing. It's my philosophy. You don't need to live in Italy to learn the language. You can create. It's kind of a lazy man's ex, uh, excuse to say, I'm too old to learn. I uh, <laughs> don't have the resources. With the Internet these days, there are so many ways to, to watch movies or film clips or listen to mm-hmm. Italian music on the radio. I always have my Italian music playing, streaming. So, And I bring snippets of this every day to people who want to pop in and read my blog posts about whatever. Like just the other day I wrote a post about San Diago. It's like eating the leftover panettone that's left over from Christmas. Italians keep it until like the first week of February and then they celebrate. <laughs> they, have a, they have a festival for everything. <laughs> And so many things with the Bafana and the, the Good Witch who comes at Epiphany. And so I like to intersperse all this with good cooking lessons or recipes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I spent some time on the blog, and, and there are so much to do. You could easily spend, you know, hours. And <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Around. And, I love and, it. Uh, <laughs> And I started the blog. At first, I was a purist. I was only writing in Italian the first two or three years. And then I realized I really wanted to – the people who were following my blog were finding it very beneficial. But I also wanted to reach very beginning students. They're called principianti. And so I started the dual language. So it's written both in English and then translated into – or it's written in Italian first and then translated into Mm -hmm. English. Do you feel like the best way to learn a language is – total immersion, that would seem so hard to me. I would want to feel like I knew at least some of the language before going over to Italy. Yeah, I have to say the first year I started learning myself, I immersed myself in just learning vocabulary. I was too afraid to even open my mouth and say anything to anybody, and I just did the grammar exercises as if it were you know, a crossword puzzle or uh, something to be, I I saw it as this complex puzzle that I needed to understand. And I I think that was what the, some of the appeal was to me as well. But then after a while, I, what really hooked me was I went to Italy and I refused to come home until I had had a real conversation with somebody who lived (laughs) there. I was tired of speaking with, you know, the uh, restaurant owners or the camieri who serve you your wine and so I sat down with a, a man, in, or he was in, a, in Gubbio, he was in a trattoria, and I, I got very courageous and I asked him a question and we ended up having a conversation. And I think that at that point, the, the smiles and the warmth, and I, I was hooked because once I started communicating, he was actually, I wasn't speaking perfectly. Mm-hmm. And I was messing up my grammar and a lot of my words I was forgetting, <laughs> but I was really communicating. And so fluency, it really depends on, I mean, you can wait 10 years until you feel confident and say, I'm fluent and I'm going to go have, you know, I'm going to go to Italy or France or wherever. If you are able to communicate with somebody and you're laughing with somebody or you, they, they are understanding you even if you're making errors, yeah. that's a, a form of fluency, you know? So I would be totally intimidated I think. <laughs> that's, that's the point of my, my, my small group immersion tours. What I want to do is we, we study in the morning uh, with my partners, my Italian partners in Tuscany and in the afternoon I create these activities that we do. We either we go taste cheese or wine or we mm. cook with an Italian nonna but the idea is to create this atmosphere where everyone feels comfortable even if you're a very beginning student to wait for those words to bubble up through your head. You know, you can communicate, but nobody's going to shut you down or make you feel foolish. 
So it is an idea to create this very comfortable, friendly environment where we can practice the language at our own pace together and laugh. And you're always learning so much more when you're laughing and you have a glass Mm -hmm. of wine. Exactly, yeah. Now, when did you start doing these um, the trips with, well, not just students, but anyone wanting to go? Is that right? Yeah. Well, it, you have to want to learn the language. So it, my, my programs have the element of language learning. So you can be uh, a very, very beginning student who wants to accompany a husband or wife, or I've had daughter, mother-daughter teams. But I started doing this back in 2012. People had started recognizing the work I was doing on the blog and invited me. My first trip was in Puglia, and we stayed in a masseria, which is a Italian farmhouse at the, the heel of the boot. And it was so much fun. And then I started reaching, or I was fortunate enough that Luca Italian School reached out to me and Arezzo with Paola Testi. In, uh, she's the um, Cultura Italiana. She has a school in Arezzo. Mm. And I've worked with various collaborators and Mm -hmm. we put together these programs but again they're small we travel like a family we organize everything pretty much the where we stay our bed and breakfast and the lessons and the activities that's nice now is that the same as your art program well this is a little this is a novita as we say in italian it's a new (laughs) thing that i've just started because book is uh, Dreaming Sophia tour, our program that I'm going to be conducting this September after my Italian program in Arezzo finishes up. I'm going to do four days of language, or it's going to be in English, but it's focusing mm-hmm. on art history and Florence, and we're going to follow in the footsteps of Sophia, the protagonist of my new book. So we're going to visit um, Brunelleschi's Cupola and the Duomo and Michelangelo's Academia. We're going to see the David, and we're going to go to the Ultra Arno where Sophia had her apartment in the Bohemian side of Florence with the craftsmen and the artisans. And we're going to the Boboli Gardens, which is the backyard of Eleonora de' Medici's palace, the um, Pitti Palace. Wow. And the Duchess with the fabulous gold gown that I talk about, and she's one of the first muses that shows up in the book and we're going to have a day well in in the gardens we're going to do some plein air painting as Sophia does she's an artist who paints outside from nature so it we're going to incorporate a lot of elements and it's been really I I'm very excited about this program I'm working with two wonderful Italian friends one's an art historian and painter herself and another is an Italian teacher but again I stress this tour is going to be in English so Mm. Anybody is really welcome to join us. So that's okay. going to be from the, um, I believe, the 14th, let's say 12th, 13th to the 17th of September. We're going mm-hmm. to be in Florence. That sounds like so much fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I always had fun. Last time I was in Florence in, uh, I guess it was September, I climbed to the top of the Duomo and I had my book. <laughs> <laughs> Took pictures at the top of the of the Duomo <laughs> with the book. Mr. Mount Everest, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that's great. Hey 
Inside Scoop Live is a global internet-based broadcast specialized in interviewing published authors about their current books and their areas of expertise. Join us and hear both well-known and upcoming writers talking candidly about their life, experience, as well as the business of being an author in today's literary world. Always interesting and current, we strive to bring our audience high-quality discussions that spotlight a vast diversity of authors in the field today. Our interviews are available 24-7 through direct podcasts, as well as MP3 download from your computer for your convenience. Please visit us at InsideScoopLive.com. Welcome back to Inside Scoop Live. Today I'm talking with Melissa Muldoon, author of Dreaming Sophia. Stay tuned because we are going to continue this fun and interesting conversation with Melissa about the Studentessa Mata, her Italian language blog, her original career plans as an art history teacher, being a plain air painter and a graphic designer, how her passion for Italy came to life through her book, her Italian language immersion program, and so much more. But in the meantime, you can learn more about Melissa Muldoon and her book, Dreaming Sophia, by visiting her website at www. Dot dreamingsophiabook.com. What else are you doing to promote your book? I know you had the book signing recently. and Yeah, I took part in the it- Italian Cultural uh, Week, which was back in the, um, I had just come back from Italy in the fall, and that promotes Italian literature and culture. So I, was, I did a presentation here in San Francisco for that. I participated in the Mercatini, uh, the uh, Christmas market in San Francisco, too. I um, with other Italian vendors at the Heritage Museum, I was uh, presenting the book and offering and sign, doing book signings. Yeah. I'm going to be talking with Italingua, uh, that's an Italian school here in the city, and <laughs> I, it's, I've been excited because a lot of book clubs in my area have been featuring the book. So last couple of weeks, I've been visiting book clubs, and one even cooked up uh, an Italian meal based on some of the foods that. I talk about in the book. <laughs> oh, that's great. So it's been fun to be part of the, the book discussions. I, I, yeah. let them, I come a little later so they can talk about the book themselves, and then I come in later. But, mm-hmm. yeah, and it's been making its rounds on uh, some virtual book tours on bloggers have been picking it up and mm-hmm. reviewing it, as well as Goodreads. I've been offering some promotions on Goodreads. So It sounds like you're really busy already doing a lot of things uh, to get your book out there. How do you feel about that process? What, what's been most difficult, or or has it been difficult at all, or are you just well, kind of your element? Well, that's a very good question. So writing the book, we talked about some of the challenges of writing the book and pulling in all the material, and I guess the hardest part now is I've written the book. It's getting some very good feedback, but I'm, I want to get it into hands, find the niche, find the people who are interested about Italy, Mm-hmm. People, I think that's finding the corner of the market because every author has their own story to write and they can only write their own personal view of the world and this is my personal view. And just to find the right audience and how to connect with those people and make them aware of the book is the biggest challenge for me right now. Even before I finished the book last March, even last February, I created the, the Dreaming Sophia website. And mm-hmm. my intent was to create a lovely site where I could continue talking about some of the things I cut out of my story. So I'm still blogging on that site, pulling together 
some of the it's like um when you film a movie some of the film clips fall onto the floor and I've swept all those up and I, I yeah. kept them so I want to continue to write some this is my art history site the student of the Mata site is all about a language and also culture in Italian but the Dreaming Sophia site is written in in English and that's where I want to continue to uh, bring out interesting art history facts and things like that and also promote the book and show things that I'm doing and pictures and travel and all that. And I also started halfway through the book a Pinterest site. We talked about how I had illustrated some of the characters, but I also at one point just thought a reader who is not familiar with Italy at all, and I'm talking about specific things like Italian music or who Francesco Renga is, you know, and they they might get curious as to who that is. So I created a Pinterest site. It's just a potpourri of, and it's very um, categorized by category, art, artists, um, places we go in the book. So the reader can go to the Dreaming Sophia Pinterest site and follow along. And in fact, the um, digital version of the book for iPads or for iBook and Kindle, that version has 70 links to my website. So as you read along, you can click on and you can go visit. You know, you have a, you're curious about what Eleonora de Medici looked like, and you can go and see what she looks like in her beautiful gown that I describe in the book. I'm doing those things to promote and hoping to bring an audience, hoping through the website, through the Pinterest site. I'm tweeting. I'm doing social media things. But yeah, that's, uh, I think, with all new authors. I'm also involved in a couple of author groups that I've mm-hmm. found. That's kind of trying a lot of different things. This is new territory yeah. for me. So, yeah. Well, it sounds like you're covering all the bases for sure. And I, I wanted to, to go back to your statement about the ebook because I thoroughly enjoyed reading the book. And then I, at the end, I saw, or, or somewhere, I saw. The note about the ebook having all the the links for an interactive type of experience. I'm like, oh wow, that that sounds really really fun, and yeah. uh, I, that's I, I love that. That's just a great way to to bring readers deeper into your experience and your story. Mm-hmm. So nice. Talk about your family. Do they share your passion for Italy? Have you all been over there as a family? <laughs> uh, oh yeah, I. I've been doing this for so long, and my kids have grown up in my office because I'm home. And mm-hmm. as a graphic designer, they've always been under my feet and very involved in my life. And I think they all thought I was this crazy woman who thought she was Italian, <laughs> and they called Mama, I think she's Italian. <laughs> and they didn't quite understand it, but she's, you know, I'm Mata, I'm the crazy one. So they kind of <laughs> let me do my thing. And then. One, back in 2010, we decided as a family to host an AFS student from Italy. Oh, nice. Mirabile, and she comes from Puglia and um, Loco Rotondo. And she lived with us for a year, and she was a high school student, so she went to high school with my, my middle son. Oh. And it was a wonderful experience, and we got to know her family, and all of a sudden we had a big Italian family that we mm. included in. And after she went home, a couple months later, my entire family, we, we went to Italy for the first time. I'd been several times with my husband, and of course, through the years, we had started traveling as a couple, but we'd always left the kids at home. Mm-hmm. But this time, we brought the kids because we wanted to meet the Italian family of Francesca. Yeah. And 
they got off the plane and we were in Rome and I remember they all kind of looked at me and after our first meal, they kind of glazed eyes. They, we get it now, mom. We understand why you like Italy so much. They had a wonderful time. And the, the, we were there at uh, the hottest part of the year in Ferragosto and the festivals and the food and the big extended family and, oh, they couldn't get enough of it. And actually, every single one of them has tried to learn Italian. Then they came home, and my husband tried desperately, but he was he's just so busy. And he's my autista. He's my driver when we go there. So I said, it's okay, honey, I'll do the translating and talking. You just do the driving. Yeah. I how to drive a stick shift. So <laughs> I, have to, I have to get over that. But, That's funny. And my, my, my oldest son actually kind of sort of fell in love with an Italian girl while he was there that summer. Um, and they had a long-distance relationship, but we'll see where that goes. Right. <laughs> now it's been a couple of years, so a little, little distant for that. But maybe yeah. one day I'll get an Italian daughter-in-law. Who knows? But, no, they, they uh, really appreciate it, and they're very all extremely proud of the work that I've done on the book, and they've been very patient because when you are a writer and you, I go into black holes, I will get up in the morning. I love getting up in the morning and entering my world of the mm-hmm. media, and hours can pass, and it's you just lose days sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I would get up in the middle of the night, I go for the start writing, or I replay the entire story in my head while I walk the dogs at night, and I would think I'd be ready to go to bed, but then I'd turn on the computer and I'd start writing until four in the morning. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. Once your brain starts, it's you can't. You have yeah. no control. <laughs> so they were very patient. The family is very patient, and they understood where it was all coming from, and very excited and proud. And I remember, I I think I broke into tears when I finally pushed the button and published it and had finished editing, and it was such an emotional moment. Yeah, I guess, because, I mean, all of a sudden, it's I guess it's probably like sending your baby off to college, you know, it's like, yeah. okay, they're gone, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, you talk a little bit in your book about Sophia Loren, and I understand you had the chance to meet her. Can you tell us about that experience? Amazing things happen when you put things out in the universe, and that's the aims of my book, and it, I truly believe that it it happens. If you make up your mind to do something, you can do it. I made up my mind to become a graphic designer and work from home. I made it happen. I decided to learn the language. I made it happen. I decided to write this book. I made it happen. And then I was just very, it was a serendipitous moment. I had written a blog post about Sophia Loren because I'm immersed in her story and I'm in the middle of writing this book. And I had written about Dolce & Gabbana, and she starred in one of their new perfume ads last year. Mm-hmm. And a reader read it and commented, you know, Melissa, she's making a tour, Sophia Loren, of you know various American cities doing a one-woman show. I had not known that. Well, I knew she was <laughs> in Las Vegas or down in Florida, I guess, the year before, but I thought it was too far away to go. But when mm-hmm. I found out she was going to be in Las Vegas, which is very not that far away from where I live in California. I asked my husband, and for my birthday, he uh, got tickets to go see her show. And I got this idea, you know, wouldn't it be awesome if I could somehow meet Miss Loren and talk to her and tell her about my book? So I called the hotel, and I introduced myself and told them my story. And they said, well, you know, we have one ticket left in the – it was – 
the section where you get to go back and meet her in a private cocktail champagne hour after the show. And we got to sit in the first couple of rows, so we were very close to the stage. But he goes, you know, your husband can't come. We only have one ticket left. <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> so that's what we did. And it wasn't that much of it. For an upgrade, it wasn't that, that much more. And mm-hmm. it was very reasonable. And it was such a joy to sit in. I was actually in the second row. And looking at Miss Loren, she was so self-deprecating and lovely. And she would, she would say things like, you know, I really, I much prefer to speak in Italian. So she would ask for help with English words. and. Mm-hmm. She would look at us, and she would she would talk to us as if the whole audience, as if we were her friends. And every so often, she they would do clips from her movies, and when she mm-hmm. saw uh, her leading men, Marcello, she would just her face she would be this radiant smile. You remember, you could tell she was remembering some lovely memory. And afterwards, I did indeed get to have a a meeting with her, and we weren't sure she doesn't like selfies and she doesn't like photographs but they had it set up so we could go individually and have a few moments and speak with you know Miss Loren and have our picture taken with her so I presented her with a rose and a gift and kissed her on both cheeks and told her that I was writing Dreaming Sophia and I got to (laughs) with her in Italian and kiss her on both cheeks like a real Italian (laughs) and I didn't mess up which side to go to first so who would have thought I would have done that 10 years ago? I just never know. So yeah. it's been an adventure, this this blog writing and the people I meet and so many wonderful, wonderful experiences that I feel like I'm very, very fortunate. Yeah. You, you, it sounds like you've had a lot of amazing experiences, and it sounds like there's more to come, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I kind of want, want to know what's around the corner, so... Yeah. Do you have any plans for another book or another project? I do. I'm not going to continue the story of Sophia and Lorenzo and Dreaming Sophia. I think I like where I left my characters. Mm-hmm. But I, through the process of writing, I learned a lot. And in retrospect, you know, I kind of reinvented the wheel a couple million times. And <laughs> going forward, I, I have a clearer sense of how to proceed and how to get started and from what perspective I want to write the characters from next time. Sophia was more a memoir in some ways. It's very, in some ways, mm-hmm. very autobiographical, you know, and, but not really, but it is. <laughs> it's my story, my personal story. But this next book, I, um, it's going to be set in Italy, but it's going to take place in Arezzo, and there's a mystery. And it's actually going to take, I talk about Eleonora de' Medici in Dreaming Sophia, but her daughter's name is Isabella, and she was murdered by her husband. So oh I have this parallel modern day kind of, very similar in feel to Dreaming Sophia, where we follow a contemporary storyline that somehow dips back into time and into the past. So wow. I'm playing with I have written the first chapter. And nice. I am going to see where that takes me. So I've discovered Arezzo. I've been doing my language programs in Arezzo, and there's a beautiful antique market and that I find very intriguing too, finding something in the antique market. And mm-hmm. it's also the site of a jousting festival they do every year. So really? People, men running across the piazza, the grande piazza with lances, and it's a big festival. So I think that's, in, that's uh, right now capturing my imagination. Wow. Well, it sounds like you already have a couple of full time jobs. <laughs> I know. I need to take time off. I'm going to actually. 
Also, another incentive for writing the book was my mom is a writer. And oh, okay. She, when I first started the book, she and I dedicate the book to her. Mm-hmm. Um, she has always been my, she has encouraged me greatly. As a young girl, she was the one who made me believe I could be an artist. It's amazing how we as parents can encourage or discourage with a few words. But my right. mom, at the time, I was just doodling a drawing, and she found great value in it and encouraged me to continue. And then when she read my first couple chapters of Dreaming Sophia, she said, you need to finish this. So, And my mom's turning 91 tomorrow. So I am going to see her tomorrow in Philadelphia. But I, I, she was the main driving reason for me to finish the book and realize it. Because every time I'd call her, she'd say, is it done yet? Can I hold it in my hands yet? <laughs> <laughs> and I... Uh, I'm like, no, I'm still rewriting. And she goes, she's a writer, and she's a published writer, too, well, of children's stories. But she's always saying um, it's all in the rewrite, and you can rewrite and rewrite and rewrite, but at some point you got you to stop. put the yeah. pen down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. What advice would you give to aspiring authors? Well, I think the important thing is if you have a story within you, the important thing is just to start writing, and um, it doesn't really matter what you write right away because you need to get you ha- you can't be afraid of a blank page. You just have to allow, give yourself permission to write. And you, as we were just saying, it's all about the rewrite. Once you get your words down, you can go back and refine, and you can't worry about being perfect right out of the right out the door. Mm-hmm. So give yourself permission to explore and see where the story takes you because sometimes I wouldn't know where the story would take me that day and it was a surprise and good things happen when you're not so uh, worried about being perfect. Right, right. Well, Melissa, it has been so much fun talking to you. I knew that this was going to be a fun interview with all the things you have going on. Well, it's been an extreme pleasure and thank you for letting me talk about Dreaming Sophia and going on and on a little bit, but it's very dear to my heart, and Sophia's dear to my heart, and I hope readers will discover her and come along on her journey to Italy through Dreaming Sophia. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us today for our interview with Melissa Muldoon, author of Dreaming Sophia. Once again, you can find out more information on Melissa and her book at www.dreamingsophiabook.com. And be sure to check out our other interviews at www.insidescoopfive.com.